0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Worked Up, the podcast where we learn to navigate the workplace, your career, and business with a little more ease and a lot less angst. I'm your host, Jacqueline Beck, and we have a wonderful guest here with us today live in the studio. Welcome. Thank you. So we today have Dr. Shivani Gupta. She is an Ayurvedic doctor. She's the founder of Fusionary Formulas, her own supplement line. Uh, she's a speaker, she's an author, she's launching her own podcast to be named yes. in January. So really, she just does it all. So Shivani, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited for this conversation. You know, before before we really dig in, would you mind sharing a little bit about you and your background? Sure. So I have been into health and wellness since I was a little girl. When I was growing up
1: in Texas, I grew up going to India and seeing my family struggle with their health year after year so it was really hard because everyone had diabetes but everyone would you know not everyone but my grandparents generation would end up having a leg amputated or a heart attack or a stroke all these very serious things Wow! and so as i grew up i thought wow so my parents are working so hard to live the american dream give us the best education give us the best life but that generation ahead of them why is the last quarter of our lives being spent suffering and doing disease management like that's not right what's the point of the success in the first place? So that really led me on this journey of how do you build an immune system? How do you build gut health? What are the root causes of diabetes? And eventually, because I was going to India every year, I encountered yoga and Ayurveda, and Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, Ayurveda, it's a whole system of medicine. Why has no one talked about this yet? I guess I'm gonna be the one who spreads that
0: message. Oh, that's great. And do you mind sharing a little bit about Ayurveda and what exactly that is? Sure. So Ayurveda is a system of medicine from India that's over 5,000 years old.
1: And so most people have not heard about it, but we have heard of traditional Chinese medicine or acupuncture. So that's like another science system that was growing right alongside Ayurveda. Mm. And within Ayurveda, we teach a preventive lifestyle. We teach people how to get their body, mind, and spirit into alignment so we don't feel imbalanced in our bodies. So it's really about using herbs, using spices, living according to nature's clock, um, optimizing sleep. Like a lot of the biohacking world and the functional medicine world, a lot of the lifestyle tools they're talking about are all based in Ayurveda.
0: That's so interesting. So I grew up in a family where my grandfather and my aunt were both internists. They were both doctors. And my grandmother was the business manager of the office. Mm. So I grew up, I mean, I had chronic ear infections. I would call my aunt, I need the bubble gum medicine, yep. amoxicillin. Yes. So it was constantly, you have a problem, here's the medicine, take this pill, take this medicine, whatever it will be. So this approach of the root cause, which I feel like is pretty um, up and coming, I would call it still these days, Yeah. really seems like it's something that tries to tackle health at its root. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. How have you found the reception?
1: Um, it's been mixed. So I grew up like that too. I loved the bubblegum medicine. I'd like to lick <laughs> the bottle when I was a kid, not realizing it was antibiotics. Exactly. And then through high school, I would have colds chronically, and I was taking Augmentin. Mm. And pediatricians at the time were just like, "Sure, cold. Here's the drug. Cold. Here's the drug." And I just had no idea. So by the time I hit college, I had to really turn the ship around and find a new approach to my health. And I'll never forget, I was sitting down with a Dr. Gupta in India and I said, listen, I know I feel like I'm dying, but you can't drop 12 drugs into my system. This has never worked before. And Mm. I just am really worried you're going to kill my gut. And when I get back to college in Boston, I won't be able to eat anything. And he's like, no worries, madam, you'll be fine. And I was like, no, this is, I'm standing up for my health. So it's been an interesting journey because post-college, I married a physician and Mm. I live in South Florida, surrounded by about 20 physicians and surgeons and I love them, I think they're awesome, but their viewpoint on the world comes from one system of medicine, and my entire viewpoint comes from a different one. And the pandemic definitely brought some worlds clashing together where we each had different viewpoints. I was like, "Turmeric can heal a lot of what we're talking about, come on. And they were all like, no, there's no double-blind placebo-controlled studies that prove that. And I'm like, <laughs> actually, my PhD's on the topic. There's plenty of science. You just don't wanna see it, so okay. So it's been a lot of me having to swim upstream because when I built my supplement company, I wanted it to sell through MD orthopedic offices. Mm. So I kind of picked the hardest door and went at it. And I think that's why it's taken seven years now, but I'm finally winning because the tides are changing.
0: What do you think has caused that shift? I think it's the pandemic because
1: the pandemic happened. All of a sudden everyone looked around and was like, "Mm, we need some sovereignty in our health. Mm, We need to consider natural tools Uh, We didn't have the answers when that crisis started. So maybe we don't have all the answers and we have to be more exploratory. We have to be more open. And I think the patients have started walking into offices a lot more empowered. And they're saying, doc, I don't just want, you know, the solution you're going to give me. I want some natural options. Please make them.
0: Yeah. You know, as you're talking, I even think about it in my own focus on my own healthcare. And I think I've become a lot more hesitant to just take the pill or take the medicine. Because I am a lot more focused on: Is there a healthier way to do this? Is there a preventative way to do this? I have so many questions I want to ask you, Shivani. Sure. <laughs> so many questions. I could take this in a million different directions, but let's let's stay with the Ayurveda direction for a second. So, can you explain? what goes into Ayurveda, the doshas, what it all means, et cetera? Sure. So when I sit down with someone, my first goal is
1: understanding their dosha. Mm -hmm. And their dosha is their individual mind-body constitution. And so it takes a minute to get the concept down, but there's five elements, ether, air, water, earth, and fire. Mm -hmm. And we're all a mixture of those five elements. But at the moment of conception, Our dosha was decided. So for example, I'm a pitta. I'm born to two pittas. They're fiery, intelligent, entrepreneurial parents. They birthed me. I'm a product of them. And so as a pitta dosha, that's one that's dominated by fire first. And then you can have any secondary dosha, vata or kapha. Those are the three names. And so if you can imagine, because I know my primary kind of driving force of what makes me up, what my nature is, what my body type is, what triggers me and what my health issues could be, Mm. I can manage life differently because I'm navigating from a place of better self understanding. So I manage my schedule a certain way. I manage the rhythm of my day a certain way. I drink certain teas at different times in the day. If I can tell that things are going off kilter because people are interrupting my day or give me, giving me bad news, I'll add cooling foods in mm. almost like putting on the brakes because mm. I know that if I don't, by the end of the day, when I get home as a mother, I'm going to explode on somebody <laughs> and I don't want to, you know, yes. So it's so important to know that versus if you're a guffa person, your tendency is going to be like, you don't want to get off the couch. Mm. You're always going to perceive yourself as lazy and slow and unmotivated that's not the case. You're just a certain dosha and you need certain tools to give you the momentum to get started in your day. And then there's a lot of Vata people out there. And a lot of us have Vata minds, which is tornado type energy, like overwhelm, anxiety, so much going on in the world, can't keep up. Mm. And my job is to ground the Vata people give them healthy fat, give them avocado, give them a very rigid schedule around food so that they can stay grounded and centered. And then they can win at their lives and they can complete their projects and they can feel empowered to not look flaky, but be their best creative self who actually accomplishes.
0: So there's not only a physical component to it, there's also a mental and personality component to it too. And emotional. Interesting. And that That's fascinating because in my practice, when I'm working with people, either from a career coaching perspective or even businesses from a business coaching perspective, I always say step number one is clarity and knowing yourself. Totally. And so I do, you know, tests or uh, assessments that I administer so that there's data that they can use. And it sounds like that's effectively what you're doing as well to determine which of the three doshas you are. Exactly. Exactly. That's wonderful. And then you make up a plan from there.
1: Exactly. And then I also like to know their health history, what they've struggled with, what kind of health crises happened in their lives that could Mm. have been the impetus for what they have now and what they're dealing with. A lot of times we forget about our past, so we don't tie it all back. Mm -hmm. Like I can still show you when I do stool tests on myself in these last couple of years, I can still see that my high school choices, which were prescribed to me, are what's in my gut now. And I still am trying to build those bacteria strains
0: your high school choices? Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, I'm not I'm not set up well then.
1: <laughs> Most of us aren't. We're not. We're born here in the West and we're we're taking what we're taking and we're told everything over at the drugstores is just fine. Yeah. Like my sister, my little kids when they walk through the store, they're like, "Mommy, I want Oreos." And I'm like, I
0: love Oreos.
1: Oreos are chemicals put together in a factory made to taste and smell like food. It's a food-like product. And my husband always looks at me like, "Shivani, don't don't" <laughs> Don't scare the children. I'm like, I'm not scaring them. I'm being honest. They know going to the grocery store
0: with mommy is a lot of fun. You know, they always want daddy. (laughs) I wonder why they want their Oreos. Yeah. They want their cookies and treats. See, my thing is diet Coke, which I know is terrible for you. I know it's liquid poison. Everyone has something. Yeah. I always tell people I love nachos
1: and Chardonnay. They are like my, uh, my tell. So if I've had a horrible day, like I remember my nanny would walk in, she'd be like, Mommy's having a day. We need to go outside, (laughs) and it was just so we all have something. That's okay. We're not meant to be perfect.
0: Yeah, we are not meant to be perfect. Yeah, and I do think on a certain level, it's embracing those imperfections that allow you to gain the confidence and use the word empowerment, right? And I think that's so crucial. Whether you're taking control of your health, whether you're taking control of your career or your business, having that sense of empowerment, which ultimately comes from that confidence, that motivation, that grounding and that clarity. True. You know, you said something else that resonated a lot with me, which is that you married into a family of surgeons yeah. and are surrounded by a lot of people in what I would call conventional medicine. I don't know if that's the right way to, yeah. to say it. I um I talk about this a lot, but I come from a cultural background where I had a very prescriptive path laid out for me. I could be a doctor, a lawyer, or a banker, and there were no other options. Yeah, doctor, lawyer, business, or engineer, that's it. Exactly. No other choices. No other choices. And veering off that path was almost so wild to me that I couldn't even conceive of considering anything else because it was all that I was trained to know. It was the, the water I swam in. It was the societal expectation that I swam in. And I'm so curious how you've been able to veer off of that expected path That's because true. I know so many people struggle with that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not easy. You know, I grew up to entrepreneurial parents. So entrepreneurship mm. was already in my DNA. Yeah. They had started a business and were very successful. And they sent me to Babson in Boston, mm. which is known for entrepreneurship. And there I learned about social entrepreneurship. So they probably did not expect that left turn. They really expected to put me in the best business school. I'd come out an entrepreneur and then I'd take over the family business. And a couple years later, get married, have kids. And that was my job. Yeah. And when I learned about social entrepreneurship, it really opened my mind. I was like, wait, we can be change makers. We can impact the whole world while we're creating businesses. This is so epic. Okay. So I came out of Babson knowing I was going to open something in health, like a destination spa that was Ayurvedic or something. Like I worked for Canyon Ranch in the Berkshires. Did you? I started that journey. Wow. Yeah, I love Canyon Ranch. I love all destination spas. And I think I should be a destination
0: spa blogger. (laughs) That sounds like the dream job. Doesn't it? Yeah. And I think when we first met, I shared with you that... My entree to Ayurveda was actually going to an Ayurvedic spa in New York City. Right. Yes. So I do think I'm a pitta, according to sure. Oh, great confirmation. Yes, (laughs) I'll eat cooling foods then. Yes, especially now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Um. So, okay, I cut you off. I'm so sorry, but please go. So I
1: did entrepreneurship. I got married very young, post college, and my husband was like, "Oh, you should do law. Like, you're so smart, you should do law." So I got into law school. Started hated it, despised it. What didn't you like? It was so serious. And it made you think as an entrepreneur that you should not do anything entrepreneurial or you will get in big trouble. Risk. Yeah, totally risk averse. So I was like, this is a very bad idea. I don't know how to tell my husband. So I ended up starting my own business idea at the time, organic cotton, children's clothing. And the business was way more fun than law school. (laughs) So I quit law school, went on my journey. And by that point, he couldn't really he just knew he's like, she's from an entrepreneurship family. This is all she's meant to do. And I had told him that when we married. So I started that business, then another, then another through that time I had children. And while I was having kids, I wanted to just dive deeper into Ayurveda formally, because my goal was how do I write books and change the world? Mm. So I would say building fusionary for doctors was the first time I took a real stand for natural solutions in Western and conventional medicine could be a new worldview. Mm -hmm. And I was just so bright eyed and bushy tailed when I started it. I was like, this will be easy. Like in a year we're going to be so successful. It'll be great. And I just had no idea that I needed to learn sales and I needed to learn things and your team doesn't magically appear in year one. And, and what I'm blessed with is the formulas worked. So like what I designed was exceptional and it just took a lot longer to get it out there. So I try not to rock the boat too much with the family around me. They all know me as the turmeric girl. And she's going to say turmeric does everything. And they know that their systems and the way they approach them makes them the specialist for what they do.
0: That's yeah. Having a good product is key. Yeah. Because it sells itself, right? Totally. Starting your own business. And it sounds like you've started several. What do you think you've underestimated in that process? Time. Hmm. Seriously, it takes so much longer to do things than
1: you think you just assume that you like you'll snap your fingers and everything will work out for you. Um, I would say that being a young entrepreneur, 2004, 2005, six through 2009, I paid for all the lessons I learned. It was like an executive or a real MBA as I was an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and that being seasoned in that way and losing all that money was the best investment in my current success because I look at my business very differently people are like why aren't you in whole foods? I'm like done that. Why aren't you in big box retailers? I've already done that. Why aren't you in distribution? Nope. I've already done I've already done every mistake I could in the product business. Yeah. And I just won't make them again. So, yeah, my path might take a little longer, but strategically I'm building a business that'll be more sustainable.
0: What do you see as the mistake is going down the path of working directly with retailers?
1: Um you you when you're small, you're very much beholden mm. to terms. You know, like they want 10% off. They want free shipping. They want what's basically consignment a lot of the time. And when you're tiny, you end up in very stuck positions. Like I remember 2009, I was talking to Whole Foods out of Austin and my whole, my sister, my husband, everyone around me was like, you need to let them go. And I was like, let them go. They're 90% of my business. Right. And so the decision to, you know, to make those decisions
0: is really big because it's shutting down the company. So it's really diversification. Yes. This is something I talk about often too, which is, okay, how do you diversify the different revenue streams and how do you diversify a way to talk about risk mitigation, the different risks? Sure. But it's hard
1: because when you're an entrepreneur, how many hats can you wear?
0: Exactly.
1: So for me, like I went 11 months on one channel this year and only in the last month did I like pivot a touch into the next channel. And, you know, there's only so much time to go head first towards the goal. So diversification matters, but you have to start building good systems and good teams to handle those other channels alongside you.
0: That's a great segue. So was just going to ask as you start to build and scale, what is your approach to building that infrastructure behind you? You know, it really helps, I find, if you can work
1: across from someone physically every day. Mm. I think in this world, we're very used to VAs and outsourcing and outsource abroad, and people only cost five to 10 bucks an hour. Let's do it. But there's such a magic to in person. And so I was able to hire my partner last year. And this year, all of 2022, I've had a partner alongside me in an office. The whole business changed. Because I we both showed up every day. We held each other accountable. We eat lunch together and keep working. So it was very different than that home
0: entrepreneur life that was happening at a different pace. And you have a sense of community. Yeah. Which is also so key.
1: Yeah. And you bounce mm-hmm. off each other. You have that magic. You have that momentum. You have that excitement. If she's sitting across from me, I can't tinker on Facebook. I've got to, I've got to get my day done, you
0: know? You gotta have your stuff together. Exactly. I reflect on starting my own business. And I'm, I'm inherently a social person. And I think about, you know, I used to go to a big office building every day and I worked on a team of almost 250 people. So there were lots of different people for me to interact with every day. And now I'm a solopreneur sure. and I don't have a team presently. And so that has been the, the most surprising thing to me, I would say, I do miss that interaction. And Look, I am totally a proponent of work from home and flexibility because I think we all have lives and there's a lot to juggle and, you know, having a young family too. I was talking to my mom recently and I was like, how do you do this? How did you do this when we were growing up? Because it's, it's a lot to have on your plate. That being said, I agree with you. There is a magic when you are physically one-on-one across from someone and you feed off of each other's energy. It's inherently energizing. It's inherently motivating. I find that you you spitball a lot more. There's a lot more innovation. There's a lot more ideation. And then when there's a really great idea, there's this momentum behind you, which is electric. Right, exactly,
1: exactly. And so we do have a virtual team as well, our graphic designers, you know, SEO people, my VA, when we're pitching podcasts and all these kinds of things. So those are more the virtual team who we're delegating to, and we're both practicing delegation right now. Um, But lead sales is on my shoulder. So I've Mm. basically been uh, what you'd call like a pharma rep. My whole job is like on the road every day, all day, calling on doctor's offices. Um, But pushing for those leads and pushing to grow revenue in the company is what gave us the space now finally to look at bigger, bigger projects, bigger conferences. Like, could mm-hmm. I do an orthopedic conference next year, a rheumatology conference? Could I get in front of hundreds of doctors at once instead of being a road warrior every day?
0: Do do more with less. Yeah, exactly. Efficiencies, economies of scale. Yeah. And we were just talking about this because you're a speaker. I happen to love public speaking. I know it's something that a lot of people don't But you were sharing with me that you also enjoy it.
1: Yeah. I mean, you get in front of so many people. I would say the majority of sales of my supplement company were driven by me being in the community and speaking for years.
0: What kind of engagements would you do?
1: Like health and wellness, women's events, Mm. all sorts of events like that at any spa, any workshop, any place. And were they all paid or
0: were some of them for free? Yeah.
1: All of them were unpaid at that time. All of them. Yeah. So it was
0: really just a great marketing tool for you and your business.
1: Yes. But it was great because now I'm known. Like when people say, oh, you need turmeric, they go, you need to talk to the turmeric girl. Her name's Shivani. I'll give you her face. The turmeric girl. Yeah.
0: I love this. That's what I'm known as in the local community, at least. That's great. But to your point, uh, brand and name recognition is so key And it does give you an element of credibility. True. I was talking to someone recently um, and they were saying, you know, to get on the conference circuit, even if you self-publish a book, being an author really gives you that social proof, that element of credibility. And you've written several books.
1: I wrote one called The Conscious Pregnancy. I'm writing one right now on inflammation. It's just going slower because I'm so focused on on the business. It's hard to focus on everything at once. But usually I slow down for the summer to write because I find as a Bitta, we need to slow down in the summer anyway, otherwise Mm. we burn out. So I've always told my team, like, please let me have some creative time to stay cool and write and be creative.
0: So given all the hats that you wear, right, author, speaker, doctor, entrepreneur, business owner. You mentioned burnout. Yeah. You mentioned that knowing your dosha, knowing that you're a pitta is very informative for you and how you plan your schedule and plan your days. How do you avoid burnout? Honestly, it's by keeping a really strict rhythm.
1: Okay. So motherhood is its own complete job unto itself. Mm. And if you wanna raise beautiful, happy, healthy, organic-ish, good people in the world, that takes its own large amount of energy. I consider that my first job. My second job is self-care for self and everyone around me because I'm like the matriarch of a very large in-law family. Mm. That role to me is important. My third is my business and what I get to create and impact the world with. So I really look at my year as four quarters and the summer is like that season that I really try to slow down a bit because that's when it's hottest and us fire people will just burn out if we go straight through the summer without some ease. So I plan more vacations in the summer. I make sure me and my sister get to run off somewhere, whether it's to Italy or somewhere by the water and just get that cool down that we both need. We're both Bethes. Um, And then I really structure my day very specifically. So like I wake up, it's me time. Then it's get the kids to school. Then it's gym time, very structured. Then I shower at the gym, run to work. Workday has to end by a certain time. So I get my high tea at 3.30. Then I transition to motherhood. They get me for a couple hours. Then, you know, through that time though, just being an entrepreneur these last few years, I don't really turn off completely until I go to bed. Right. So people have access to me because they have access to get to me through Instagram and Facebook and 18 other ways it seems. Um, so it's it's a little bit of a struggle to not get overwhelmed, but I think you have to hold good boundaries, whether it's girl time, whether it's more gym time, whether it's my yoga Sundays. So I take self-care to a new level where I practice self-care all day And every day, so that I constantly know that I'm loved, I'm taken care of, I'm centered, and thus everything I'm doing is a choice. Mm. And because it's a choice, it's okay. And if I'm not okay with those choices, I need to back out of the schedule a bit.
0: One of my favorite questions to ask someone when they're not choosing a path is, what are you choosing right now by not choosing? True. So even a non-choice in so many ways is a choice. True. Right? For those people who are kafa or Vata, how do you recommend that they structure their schedules to give their minds a little bit of a break?
1: So the kafa people need to work out in the morning. They need the momentum. Guffas have a hard time waking up out of bed. They have a hard time kind of getting off the couch. So my prescription is get outside and move. But like whatever that prescription is, it has to be uh, structured. So either it's an Orange Theory class or your favorite gym. I go right here locally to a gym in Boca. Like I know I have a 830 class and I don't make it a choice in my mind that I go to that class to move my body. So that type of structure is needed for the guffa to move. The Vata people can eat like birds. So I always laugh because my own yoga teacher, when I did yoga teacher training, I was like, you're so classic Vata. You can drink tea all day and juice all day, green juice, and you can eat crackers,
0: but you don't have to eat a real meal. I couldn't survive.
1: I can't. I'm a bit like, I need a meal. My lunch has to be like someone else's, I don't know, two dinners. Like I really (laughs) eat when I sit to eat because I've got that fire in me that wants to consume something. Um, And so I'm trying to add in more healthy fat so I can be more satiated. Um, But I told her, I said, you need to stay grounded. So you need to eat avocados. You need to eat healthy fat consistently. I need three structured meals a day and build some structure into your life. You guys can't just flit around and and let the schedule create anxiety and overwhelm. So it's really about being grounded, eating grounding foods and things like that. And even teas with milk in them, like nut Mm. milk, lattes. So those warm grounding foods keep them more on track.
0: You keep rep- repeating the word structure, hmm. which I find to be so interesting. Um, and also what's coming out, or at least what I'm hearing and what you're saying is boundaries. But when we think about boundaries, so often we think about holding boundaries with other people. Sure. What you're really speaking to is bol- holding boundaries to yourself. Totally. So how do you recommend to people that, you know, may struggle with that? Yeah. How do you keep yourself accountable?
1: It's a good question. I believe that we all have a duty to ourselves to consciously, intentionally build our health every day. So for me, longevity matters. If I'm going to be an entrepreneur who gets to impact the world, I don't want to have my age 60 to 90 to be horrific with diseases and pain. So I really look at my life as, okay, what do I need to do right now to be healthy, vibrant, beautiful, and happy in my 50s, in my 60s, in my 70s? All of that starts from now. Mm-hmm. And if right now I want to be my happiest, then every single day has to involve self-care on a rhythm. It has to involve anchor points where I do tea time is me time. And I take my supplements and I do those things. And to me, it's like, it, treat your body like a Maserati. If you want to <laughs> feel that way and you want to look that way and you want to have the performance you want as an entrepreneur to win at your goals and be happy at your end every year, that takes a daily investment. So right now we're approaching the end of the year fast and I'm like, oh gosh, all you've done is party all of December, what are you doing? And then I was like, well, actually you're as healthy as you were at the beginning of the year. You are looking and feeling great. Your business is doing wildly amazing this year. You have met a million new people this year and you just did like tons of fun podcast interviews and met cool people. Like this is a great year. Right. So that's what I want. But holding those boundaries is is an interesting word. I I think of it as structure. I structure my life to
0: give me everything that I want. And it sounds like you're saying also finding your why. Yes. So this is something that I often find comes up in my practice, but what is that singular thing that motivates you? What is your driving force? What gets you out of bed in the morning? What is your ultimate goal? And that helps with perspective, Right. right? Which I think you're talking to too. It's so easy in the moment to look at something and say, Oh, I'm just wasting my time. I'm partying. I'm going to all these cocktail parties. I'm drinking. I'm eating yummy food. But then you took the time you paused, which is so important, that pause and reflected back. And you're having a kick-ass year. Right. So how do you allow yourself to keep that perspective? To me... We each
1: have such an opportunity to recognize how awesome we have it. Mm -hmm. I think traveling always shows us that, you know, I go to India and I'm like, wow, I have zero things to complain about. Even if I didn't succeed at all in my business, I have zero things to complain about in this lifetime. That's one. I think another one is just looking at what we think on the inside is reflected in all aspects of our health and our lives. So I teach a concept called mental inflammation. If mm. we're going to sit there and berate ourselves, complain about everything and be negative in our minds, that takes a toll. That's negative inflammation we're creating in our systems. That's going to take a toll somewhere. That's stress in the body. So a long time ago, when I realized diabetes is the medical history that drives my family, I said, I won't do it. I will not be stressed. I, yes, I have moments of stress. Certainly it's, my kids drive me nuts. All those things happen. Um, but majority of the time when something's happening, I go, you know What? that's stress I don't need. It's okay. If we make a huge mistake in the business, I'm like, it's okay. We will figure it out. But what I won't do is sit here and like absorb that negativity into my body. And then I have to somehow work it out or do yoga or Mm -hmm. do 10 healthy things to undo that damage. That's not
0: worth it to me. And that takes a really mentally strong person because what you're saying is you, you saw your family and you made a decision. This is not what I want. True. Which is a decision in and of itself. And now you're aligning everything you do, all of your behaviors toward achieving that goal. True. So that, that why, right? That purpose.
1: Yeah. And it really drove my, my life purpose. My life purpose is we have to reduce inflammation period. If Mm. we don't, we're all going to have the metabolic diseases of our families. People think that all the choices we made when we were young are fine. Everyone's like, oh, well, I did that. I smoked, I, whatever. We didn't wear a seatbelt, all the things. And I'm like, guys, are you not watching what's happening around you? This is nuts. And I just don't want those catastrophes to happen to anyone else. Is it possible
0: to re- reverse damage? Of course. All right. hundred percent all the time. I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about the diet Coke and the cookies <laughs> and the cakes. I'm a big sugar person. Sure. So I'm sitting here taking mental, <laughs> mental accounting of That's- all the crap I put into my system. You can't do that. You can't do
1: that. You know what? I allow people to eat whatever it is that brings them joy. Yeah. And then what we get to do is crowd out the not as awesome with really awesome things. So eventually you can get to 90, 10 with 90% being wonderful, healthy things that are nutrient dense Mm. and 10% or less being the fun stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And as we wind down, I want to rapid fire two questions to you. Okay. So the first is in your business, as someone who's juggling entrepreneurship, motherhood, with all these wonderful other endeavors, what do you know now that you wish you knew then? Oh, I wish I knew that I'd need
1: mountains of patience. Ooh. Because I've been so impatient along the way. And every year until now, I really beat myself up for not winning. Mm. And this year we finally crossed milestones and revenue goals this year I feel like a rock star. Congrats. But it took seven years. Yeah. So for seven years I berated myself and was like, you should have worked harder. You should have focused more. And so that mountain of patience that you need as an entrepreneur, I don't think we're ever shown that by society. Yeah. Society's like, look, everyone hustles and wins and everyone blows up. It's awesome. So patience would have helped.
0: And it's an overnight success. Every, everything that gets the the headlines and the Instagram posts, everything is an overnight success. And it just doesn't happen that way. Totally. Patience is a tough one. I know. I struggle with that too. Pizzas are not going to be patient. Well, there you go. More confirmation than I'm a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question. What advice would you give to someone who maybe is, is, you know, floundering in their career or is doing re- really well in their career, but maybe feels like, you know, it's time for a pivot or a change and just doesn't feel a hundred percent aligned. I would
1: say get a coach. I'm the biggest fan of personal development and getting coaches. I've been coached this whole time. And I honestly think it's why I stayed sane on my entrepreneurial journey. I had many moments where I was like, I should be a PR person. No, I should do this. No, I should be a public speaker. No, I should like 18 times. I have tried to pivot. And it's my nature actually to keep getting into new things. And it takes quite a group of people to keep me disciplined and focused. So each year I have a coach who I pick who I'm like, all right, you're my person. I will listen. But it's someone who I trust, who I value, who I respect, who I can honor as their word is there in my best interest to help me win at my goals.
0: I personally love that that's your answer. I promised to everyone I did not plant that. Yeah, of course. Shivani just came out and said that, but I agree with you. I mean, it's why I became a coach. Yeah. It's because I reflect back on my career. I wish I had one. Yeah. And I was very fortunate. I had wonderful mentors and wonderful people that I could go to for advice. But to your point, having someone that can help you stay grounded, stay focused, and stay accountable is key.
1: Yeah, because it's so easy in this world to just keep changing and changing and changing your mind. And one of my coaches was like, it's like you're driving to California, And you keep changing the car you're in. You've just jumped between states, between every state that it took to get to California. You jumped and jumped and jumped. And you're wondering why you haven't won. That still resonates with me. I still think about it every time I'm about to jump. I'm like, don't switch vehicles. Stick with what you said. So,
0: yeah. It's a great metaphor. Shivani, this has been so fun. Thank I am you. so happy that you joined us today live in person for in the sure. studio. Yeah, for sure. And I would love to continue the conversation. But before we wind down, can you tell everyone how to get in touch with you? Sure. Uh,
1: my two main websites are shivanigupta.com, S-H-I-V-A-N-I, Gupta's uh, fusionaryformulas.com, F-U-S-I-O-N-A-R-Y, formulas. And then for both, I'm on all social media like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram.
0: Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And to everyone listening to us, thank you for joining us on another episode of Worked Up. Please look out for new episodes on Tuesdays. As always, we have exciting stuff coming down the way. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, and leave reviews and connect with us either on Instagram at Jacqueline Beck Consulting or on our website, Com. See you next time.